Amen. Um, in Joshua 4, God had the children of Israel through Joshua to take 12 stones out of the Jordan River as they crossed the Jordan River to go into the Promised Land. And they made a memorial, a mound, and uh, the memorial was so that the children in the future generations could be told how mighty God was. Uh, Hebrews 13.7 also says, Remember those who led you, who spoke the word of God to you. And this portion of our service, before our speakers come, is open to uh, church members to share. And the question in your bulletin there is, what has God done at the Risa Baptist Church that has affected my life? So we have microphones to go around, and if you're led to speak up here at our church this morning, uh, you're welcome to say uh, something about what God has done and give glory to him. So, Through the Race of Baptist Church, I have learned to study my Bible more and to draw closer to the Lord, but to pray as I study and to pray, pray, pray. God works miracles through prayer. Good morning. So I took a few notes. Apologize. I'm going to read mine. I've had some time to think about this. Um, what has God done at the recent Baptist Church that has affected my life? I feel like there's so much to say as I reflect on this question, but what comes to mind the most is the people he has brought to this church that has become my church family. You all have been through with my family through the happy times and the sad times, through the good times and the bad times. I thank God for Theresa's people who have supported us through the death of our dad, mine and Brian's marriage, and the birth of Ian, and then prayed him through a very scary situation that could have ended in a much different way. The birth of Nolan, and now praying us through the birth of another healthy baby boy. I am thankful for Theresa Baptist's village. Brian and I are grateful for each of you and the impact you not only have had on our life, but the, life of our, the lives of our children. We appreciate more than you all know, will ever know the godly impact that you... We appreciate more than you will ever know the godly impact that you have had on our boys. So when I think about what God has done at Theresa Baptist Church, I think about you all. I joined a church um, when I was very, very young, and you know, the reason that I went down that particular night was because Clara Reeves went down and I followed her. Well, as, as later on in my life, I felt like that I did that because she did, and I rededicated my life, and I was rebaptized. Um, and now I know if I leave here, I'll be with the Lord. Uh, most of my family has been here I've been here 82 years, and I don't care who knows how old I am. But, um, 82 years, and my family, my daddy, and uh, lots of other people helped build this church that's part of, um, used to be Wallace Clayton Sunday School class, that's still a part of the original church. I came to that. We had our dinners out here under a shed. Um, we had all of our, our lunches out there then. I was here when Herbert Brown started, and my dad and mom had their 50th anniversary. Uh, my daddy lived to be 76, my mom 88, and all of these people right here have been, been our family, and there's so many in here.
that have been with me and my family through the years. God has blessed us. It's like Jennifer said, um, Jeannie said, we've gone through hard times, we've gone through good times, but all of these people that are here now and the ones that have come later have um, been with us through it all, and um, I thank you all for that. Um, I'm glad I'm a member of Theresa Baptist, and I, I just thank each and every one of y'all that are too. And I thank you for God himself and that he is a God of mercy, grace, love, forgiveness. I thank you, Lord, that he can forgive and he does forgive me. And I ask that every day because I know every day I sin. Uh, uh, on purpose sometimes and not even knowing sometimes. So, um, and I think we all can say that to a degree. But I don't talk long enough and I've been known for talking <laughs> And uh, most people, do, I don't need this mic most of the time because I got a big mouth and uh, <laughs> most people can hear me. Who said amen? <laughs> this is my husband of 63 years and uh, we might say we want to each other, but we have loved each other and we have two wonderful children. We have three great, three grand, three grandchildren and four great grands and and I've just been blessed, and I'm going to hire Snail, okay? Thank y'all for listening. I want to thank the Lord first for being here. Uh, I'm like Helen. I've been here all my life, which is 86 years. My mom and dad were charter members. They brought all seven of us children here, and... Uh, we worshiped here together. I remember my dad and I walking through the snowy woods down here to the old church uh, one Sunday morning. Nobody came but me and him. <laughs> and, um, but anyway, we built a fire in that old big black stove we had in there and, and uh, stayed a while, and then we left and went home. Uh, yeah, uh, my husband came later in our lives. And we three with three children, we've been blessed. Uh, sickness is sure, but we've overcome it all, and we're going to continue to praise the Lord and thank the church for loving us and accepting us as we are. Amen. Amen. Anybody else? Well, I don't need the microphone either, but I'm going to take it anyway. Um, Theresa means a great deal to me. Through the people of this church, not only have I come to call Jesus as my Savior, but I've been able to come and call Jesus as my Lord. And those are entirely two different things. The people of this church have taught me to love Jesus well to love others well, and more than anything else, to love God's word well and to obey it. Um, I came to this church as 21 with my son, Will, and he was two, and it hit me this morning. T today is like a morning full circle because for the first time I was able to have my grandson here um, of all days for um, celebrating Heritage Weeks. So I thank all of y'all. Um, for being there for me, for loving me so graciously, so mercifully, so steadfastly and so well, and for allowing me to become who God has created me to become and for giving me the freedom to be who God has created me to be. In the um, Dominican Republic, one of the girls gave us a picture of how she has um, seen her life developed, and it was... It, has really impacted me. In the beginning, we're like caterpillars and we're gobbling up God's word and gobbling up God's word. And as we walk along with God and as we walk in obedience and walk in love, soon we have a time of rest and then a time of transformation. And I thank y'all and I praise y'all because I feel like God has brought me to a time of transformation so that I can be what God really wants me to be and to serve him um, unashamedly, um, without hesitation, um, to see him and to experience him as ways that I never, ever imagined as a 21-year-old. So I thank y'all 
more than anything else for showing me Jesus and how I can love Jesus and I can walk with him. I don't really need this either. I was baptized in the Little River down in South Georgia when I was about 12, 13 years old. And I've been to churches all over the Southeast. I've moved a lot. And I've enjoyed them all, but I have thought a lot recently about how much I have enjoyed Theresa Baptist Church. I thank God for bringing me into Sheila's life, her and mine, but I thank God for bringing me to Theresa Baptist Church. The people here have been so warm and so loving. You have made me feel so welcome and a part of the family. But as I sat here a moment ago thinking about what I was going to say, I realized that making an effort to draw closer to God is the biggest difference of all. I have waited in all these, most of these other churches for people to make me feel welcome. And I realized that it's up to us to draw closer to God. And when we do that, he is going to make a difference in our lives. He is going to make a difference in the people around us and the way we see people. He's going to make us one family. Thank you, folks, at Theresa Baptist Church. Y'all are awesome. Anybody else? Um, well, we'll call our speakers to come. Uh, Kelly or Tim, which one is coming up here first? Thank y'all. Good morning. Welcome to Heritage Week. This is going to be an exciting week. And I want to begin by telling you that I have the best mother-in-law that a guy could have. Amen. She tells me, she encourages me. She tells me when I've done good. She tells me when I've done bad, and I seem to hear more of that than I do the good. <laughs> but she spoke to me this morning, and she said, I'm going to be listening to you this morning, and you need to live what you say. <laughs> so, Linda... Next Sunday is homecoming. We can't have homecoming without pan fried chicken. If you bring it, I will eat it. <laughs> Amen. Amen. That's a challenge, ladies. We can't have homecoming without pan fried chicken. This is Heritage Week. This is a celebration. It's not about anything that we in this building today have done. This is about what God has done for us, starting in 1934 through today. His faithfulness, his goodness, he has come alongside of us, and he has supported us, and he has been with us, and now it's time to celebrate, it's time to worship, and it's time to praise him for what he has done. So how did we get to this spot today? Actually, today began about four years ago when Herbert announced his retirement. That would be December the 31st of 2017. And the following day, on January 1 of 2018, we found ourselves in a position that we as a church body had not been in for 37 years. We were pastorless. And within a few days to weeks, uncertainty became uh, part of our life. Anxiety. It was kind of scary because we didn't really know where to go. We didn't know what to do. We knew what had to happen, but it was something new for us. We were like a ship without a sail, just floating on the water. So we had a few false starts, and Larry Beaver came to us as our interim transitional pastor. His job 
as transitional pastor was to move us from one pastor to our next. And he told us then in confidence, he said, God is mentoring a man for you right now. But we had no idea. We had no idea. And me and you had no idea either. That's what is so neat about this. Larry began preaching right here, preparing us for this transition. And one of the things he did was institute the transition team. And that was something that the church body got the opportunity to vote on. You had a say in this, and you elected 12 members to this transition team. And our job was to help move the church from one pastor to the next, interacting with you, providing your input. We had our first meeting in late June or early July of last year. It was a time of bonding, a time of sharing, a time of love, and a time of worship, and we came out of that as a team. And Larry told us, you're on a wilderness journey, and I have to agree, because there were times when we seemed like we were in the thickest and darkest of woods and really didn't know where we were going to go next. Tony Evans, in a devotional this week, spoke about trials, and this is what he said about trials. They are adverse circumstances that God allows in our lives to both identify where we are spiritually as well as prepare us for where he wants us to go. That was sort of like us. You might say we were in a trial. And Larry also advised the transition team to think of the church as our favorite aunt who was sick. Now, I'm from down south, folks. Aunt is my mama's sister. That's not the thing that runs around on the ground. Those of you that say aunt, you know what I'm speaking about. But the church was our favorite aunt, and she was sick. And what was wrong and what needed to happen to make her well? And so as a church and as a transition team, we stepped out together with the only thing we had at that time, and that was faith. If you have your Bibles this morning, open them up to Hebrews chapter 11. I want to share some things on faith this morning. This chapter could be called Faith in Action. Beginning with verse 1. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. Church, that's where we were. Not sure of how to get to the end. Not sure of what lay in the middle. But we trusted God. We put our faith in Him. And we took that step. Maybe a leap of faith, if you want to call it that. We were not going out on our own, but God was going in front of us and we were following Him. Now, two words describe faith. That's confidence and assurance. Now, these two qualities need a secure beginning and ending point. The beginning point of faith is believing in God's character. He is who He says. And the end point is believing in God's promises. He will do what he says. When we believe that God will fulfill his promises, even though we don't see those promises materializing, we demonstrate faith. Look at verse 8. Pick up right there. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. And by faith he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. And we were like Abraham. We didn't know where we were going. We just knew God had said, let's go look. And we were following. Sometimes we may have felt like strangers in a strange land. Sometimes we may have felt like foreigners because We still didn't know where we were going, but we were following. But church, when we did this right here, when we did this, things changed. We knew where we wanted to be, but we gave that up to let God take us to where he wanted us to be instead of where we wanted us to be. And when that happened, things began to move. Being obedient and allowing God to lead us to where he wants us to be. We believed that God was preparing us for the moment that we would 
be made one with the man that he was mentoring for us. And we believed at the right time our paths would cross with that man. And we believed it would be, be done in God's time. And you know what? Maybe that's the hardest part is waiting on God's time. I call that spiritual patience because I want it done right now. But, you know, God smiles and says, just hold on to him. Just be patient. If you flip back just a little bit to Luke's gospel, chapter 7. We've done this in the Easter drama. This is a very beautiful scene, a very beautiful passage. The faith of the centurion. And folks, I liken this church to the centurion, if you will, in his faith. Beginning there in verse 1, it says, When Jesus had finished saying all this to the people who were listening, he entered Capernaum, and there a centurion's servant, whom his master valued highly, was sick and about to die. The centurion heard of Jesus and sent some elders to the Jews, uh, of, elders of the Jews to him, asking him to come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they pleaded earnestly with him, This man deserves to have you do this, because he loves our nation, and he built our synagogue. And so Jesus went with him. This Roman centurion is a career officer. He commands about 100 men. That's where we get the word century from, centurion, meaning 100. But now the Jews did not like the Romans because the Romans ruled them harshly, and the Romans oppressed them, the Romans controlled them. But here are elders of the Jews saying, that this man deserves you to come because he loves our people, and he built, his, built a synagogue. You see, this man had came under the Jewish faith. And he was very dear to the Jews. And they were speaking up for him. And as Jesus got near the home, the centurion sends out another delegation to meet Jesus. And this gives us some insight to the centurion. There again in verse 6. He was not far from the house when the centurion sent friends to say to him, Lord, don't trouble yourself, for I do not desire to have you come under my roof. That is why I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you. But say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one go and he goes and this one come and he comes. And I say to my servant do this and he does it. When this delegation encountered Jesus and delivered this message, it says a lot. All right. And this is where I see us as a church. The centurion acknowledged Jesus as Lord. And you know what, Theresa Baptist Church, we've been doing that since 1934. We've done it, we do it, and over a year ago, we reaffirmed it to get us to where we are today. He showed humility. He said, Lord, I don't desire to have you come into my home. Church, we did that when we said, God, we know where we want to be, but take us to where you want to be because your way is the best way. He recognized the authority of Jesus by comparing it to his own authority. He said, I have soldiers that I command, and they do things, and you have authority. When you speak, it will be done. We don't command anything here, but we do recognize the authority of Jesus. And when he speaks, we know that we can count on that. The centurion had temporary authority, but Jesus has eternal authority. And he acknowledged when you speak, things happen. And we acknowledge, Lord, lead us and take us to your appointed man. And God responded. The centurion could have let many things stand in his way. Church, we could have let many things stand in our way at the time. Things like pride and doubt and self-sufficiency. But when we put that stuff aside and we got on our knees and we got humble and we got serious, God began to move. We pushed them out of the way and we focused on God. And in his time, he delivered. Now, Jesus' response to this centurion is very eye-opening. In verse 9, it says, when Jesus heard this, he was amazed. And turning to the crowd that followed him, he said, and I love this. He said, I tell you the truth, I've not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. I hope that he turned to the Father and he said, Dad... I've not found anyone in Person County that's got the faith that Theresa has. And the men that were been sent went back to the home and found the servant well. Jesus acknowledged that his own people didn't have the faith of the centurion, a Gentile. 
He acknowledged that. His own people rejected him, but here's a Roman soldier that's accepting Jesus. And you know, when Jesus says this in the Bible, when he says, I tell you the truth, or truly I tell you, I think back to years ago, the old E.F. Hutton commercials. When E.F. Hutton speaks, people listen. When Jesus in the Bible says, I tell you the truth, we'd better be clearing our plate and paying attention to what comes next because it's something that we need to hear. The only thing we had to go on when this journey began was faith, and faith led us to where we are today. Men, you had no idea your journey was beginning four years ago, but it was. Ben's faith led him to where he is today. His faith and our faith were joined together, and now we're one as a church. And Tony Evans says the opposite of faith is not doubt. The opposite of faith is disobedience. When we try to do things on our own, we're disobedient. We could have attempted to do this without God. In fact, maybe we started that way, but we quickly learned where we needed to be. Our faith has carried us on this wilderness journey, and this one is over, but as Tim Gillum said yesterday, we're now in wilderness journey too, and that's what's ahead of us. Where do you see us in five years? Where do you see us in 10 years? But church, I assure you this, our faith got us to where we are today. And we will not get to that point in the future that God wants us to be without that same faith. Thank you. Celebrate Heritage Week. Celebrate God's goodness. Thanks, Tim. Um, really struggled about uh, really what to share, what to say. Um, but just to kind of give you a little introduction, um, I'm going to be sharing mainly from Romans 5, verses 3 through 5. Um, because I believe that these few verses, I firmly believe it describes our church over the past few years and will also lead us into the future. And I will also be sharing several other scriptures and every other scripture that I'm going to share has some kind of impact for me personally over the past three years. Um, they were journaled down at some point in my journal, and um, some of these verses would drive me to confession, some to praise, some stepped on my toes, and others would, be, would lift me up. And I just want to praise God for how, his word and how it always meets us exactly where we are. Um, so if you, in Romans 5, starting 3 and 4, it says, Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings, because we know that suffering, suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. Um, Tim Bose told me when he was here, just in passing one day, that you know, he, he would take a word and just study the word and see what it truly means. And when he told me that, it, it really triggered something, and it, it made the way I studied the Bible and just think about things completely different. Um, so if we break down these words here in this, in this scripture, starting with sufferings, that word there means trials or pressures. And over the last few years, I would say Therese has felt some unknown pressures. Uh, and as Tim says, we were in uncharted waters. Um, not only did we have the trial or pressure of seeking to find a new pastor, but we would come along many other bumps in the road along the way. Um, so go back. For starters, for me personally, um, we as a church and we as committee, we had a task placed before us to find a pastor. Um, and we just went to work. Uh, sure, I, I know there was lots of praying. I prayed. People in the committee prayed. The church was praying. But we as a people of this congregation, we just went to work. And we as a church body never truly sought God at that moment. Um, Jeremiah 17, 5 says, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength. We, we were trusting in our own abilities at that time. I mean, we even tried to, tried to control time. We knew Herbert was leaving in December, and we were bound and determined we're going to have a pastor by then. Uh, we don't operate on our time. We operate on God's time. And looking back, we talked about in the men's study yesterday, looking back is always 2020. Um, but uh, so what, what should we have done? Um, but if you want to think back to every pastor, almost every pastor that stepped foot in this pulpit over the last few years, they mentioned the word fasting. 
it was mentioned so many times, and it was just like slapped me right in the face. Uh, Tim said it, Pastor Beaver said it, and it's not just fasting, but if you think about fasting, it is complete submission. Um, Joel 2.12, it says, Even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. Guys, we were losing a pastor that had been here for 37 years, and we were so eager to move on to just to fill a position that we forgot to approach God in complete submission to his will. Looking back for me personally, I regret that, but I also, I didn't know any better. I didn't. Um, and um, it, I would look back at it and look at this eagerness to, to hire somebody. It would soon drive us on a detour, whether it was self-led or God-led. We were going on a detour. And it's no coincidence that the men's study that we were, we were doing at the last October and November before Herbert left that year was called detour. That's not a coincidence, not with God. This detour that we would take would challenge us individually and as a church. We would eventually get to where God wanted, wanted us, but we were going to have to persevere through several ups and downs to get there. So that brings me to perseverance. Um, if we break that down, it means patient endurance or patient waiting. And I would say that pretty much sums up our past few years. Um, and this was not always easy for us, but looking back, it was definitely a necessary step. So after the first year of searching and still no pastor, as Tim mentioned, we, we hired Pastor Beaver. Now, I knew this was going to require great patience and great amount of trust on the part of this church because of the length of time that this process takes. But little did we know that just a few short months here, Pastor Beaver's cancer would resurface and it would force his resignation, but understandably so. Now, the next few months uh, would be the hardest and the most challenging for me personally. Um, about this time, I came across Hebrews thirteen seventeen. Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so that their work will be a joy and not a burden, for that would be of no benefit to you. And I'm not going to lie, I read that and sat back in my chair and I thought, man, there's a whole lot of people need to hear that verse. Um, but it turns out I was the one that needed to hear it. Uh, over the next few months, due to no one's person fault, no one person's fault, we would pursue several different avenues, and they all seemed to lead to a dead end. Um, during this time for me personally, I would develop shingles, and I would come down with a virus soon after. Uh, so needless to say, I became very frustrated, but God was still in control. No matter how much I agreed or disagreed with the direction that we were taking, it came down to trust. Um, so looking back on this time, I know that God was working to shape not only me, but molding all of us, molding this church. And I would later realize, looking at this, he was developing our character. The character here in Romans 5 is, is proof. The proof of use of testing a metal to determine or something, determine its purity. So our patient waiting would prove the character of this church. What kind of character are we going to have? Psalm 66 um, came across this verse in, in actually May of this year. Uh, but it greatly encouraged me through the last few months of our pastor search process. Um, and I want to read uh, verses 8 through 12. Praise our God, all peoples. Let the sound of his praise be heard. He has preserved our lives. He kept our feet from slipping. For you, God, tested us. You refined us like silver. You brought us into prison and laid burdens on our backs. You let people ride over our heads. We went through fire and water, but you brought us out to a place of great abundance. And when I read that, all I could do was sit back and think, wow. Just a few short months, we didn't really know which months ago, we didn't know where we were going. We had multiple interviews with different types of interim pastors, and nothing worked out. Then we changed and went different directions, and it, it, was a, it was for me a frustrating time. But reading this, I read this in May of this year. And it was the week before we were going to meet with Ben on Sunday and another candidate on Saturday. And all I could think was, we had nobody, and now we've got two candidates, and God has provided us abundance. And it would be, you know, 
I want to, just like the verse I said, you know, God had led us through the wilderness. But th- that verse, those verses in Psalm 66, he tested us, he refined us, he led us through fire and water, but he brought us out to a great abundance. And this abundance will provide great hope. It is the character that God developed in each of us through trials, through our perseverance, that produces this hope. Now, if you do a Google search of hope, it says it is an expectation of something to come. But as Christians, we have an expectation of something good to come. John Piper says hope is faith in future sense. Tim said it. We had faith. We had faith in the hope that was to come. We place our hope in the future work of God. And Hebrews 6.19 says hope is an anchor for the soul. This anchor steadies us in difficult times. Now, we were in uncharted waters for several years, and although at times it really seemed like we were drifting aimlessly, God had us anchored to this hope. Now, I read Jeremiah 17.5 earlier about trusting in man and making flesh his strength. Just two verses later in 17.7, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is the Lord. Not in the Lord, but is the Lord. It is not in church committees. It is not in deacons. It is not in your pastor that hope is placed. We place hope in the power that lives inside of each of them and each one of us. We hope in the spirit that is guiding each of us. And we hope in the God that graciously gives us that spirit. So how do we not lose this hope? One verse down in Romans 5 says, Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. It is love that sustains hope. And I wrote these verses down, and everybody knows them. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered, and it keeps no wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. Listen what love is. It always protects. Love always trusts. Love always hopes. And love always perseveres. In the beginning of verse 8, it says, love never fails. And for me personally, it was that love that I felt from all of you that sustained my hope over the past few years. And now I want to share three verses from 1 Peter. And from what I'm going to call church love. You could call it brotherly or sisterly love. Verse, chapter 1, verse 22. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. Chapter 4, verse 8. Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. Deeply used in both of these verses means to be stretched or strained. I'd say we were stretched or strained over the past few years, but we as a Christian family, we're called to love when it's the last thing that we want to do. It's always easy to love each other when things are going smoothly. But we're called to love in the hard times and the good times. One more out of 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8. Finally, all of you be like-minded, be sympathetic, Love one another, be compassionate and humble. These are all commands to the church to love one another. Jesus commanded this same thing to his disciples. He said, a new command I give to you, love one another. As I have loved you, love one another. And by this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Being has talked a lot about discipleship in the past few weeks. If we want people in this church to know, in this community to know, when we go out to our workplaces to know that we are Christians and Theresa Baptist Church loves Jesus Christ. We have got to love one another. It'll be that love that will sustain our hope as a church and our hope individually here at Theresa Baptist for years to come. It is what sustained us since we started and it's what will sustain us going forward. If Theresa never faced any sufferings, if we if Theresa never patiently endured anything, how would Theresa ever develop the character that would produce hope? These trials we have faced and trials we will face in the future, they are opportunities for us to grow individually and as a church. So let's look back what God has done for us. He has shown great 
greatness, his greatness to Theresa. So this victory that we have achieved, I'd say, over the past three years is God's alone. He may have used us to see it through, but he, he planned it. He carved out the path and he completed it. Proverbs 16, 4 says, the Lord works out everything to its proper end. But we must remember that our work is not finished. Let us not become content, but let us continue in the work that God has planned for Theresa. Let us come together in love and in thankfulness and in unity to grow one another. And it's being preached, and as Jeff Norman stood up and said this morning, being said this in his trial sermon, when we grow closer to God, we grow closer together. And when we grow closer together, we grow closer to God. We must continually reach out to God for strength to work for him and to build his church. To build his church. Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And the last thing I want to read to you. Psalm 66, the first five verses. Um, Shout for joy to God all the earth. Sing the glory of his name. Make his praise glorious. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. So great is your power that your enemies cringe before you. All the earth bows down to you. They sing praise to you. They sing praises of your name. Come and see what God has done. His awesome deeds for mankind. His awesome deeds for Theresa Baptist Church. Thank you. have um, just found so much we can be thankful for and that we can praise God for. So it's only fitting that we end with a song that expresses our thankfulness and our praise for our mighty God. So if everyone would stand and we'll sing, Worthy is the Lamb. Can you start that over, Mackenzie?
Um, before we close, we want to go over our prayer list, and then we'll have some uh, announcements. But um, we want to pray for Donna Marion Steele. Uh, Donna Rogers is listed at Duke. Uh, Kathleen Duncan uh, at rehab. Uh, Nancy Cruz, pray for her still. Um, Richard Carver, Eunice Jones, Leslie Rogers. Uh, we want to pray for Robin Ogle at the Hawk Hospice House in Durham. We want to remember Larry Honeycutt and Wilda Reeves uh, th this week. Um, we want to still pray for Cheryl Clayton, for uh, Larry Beaver, and um, uh, we've been asked to pray for Wallace Clayton, Crystal Allen. Uh, we want to pray for Desiree and Scotty this week, uh, Bill Oakley, uh, Emma Blalock, um, and the family of Ray Benville. So let's let's pray for those and, and, and pray. Hey Kim, uh -huh. let's remember Cecil Compton also. We got a, a message from Brenda that he they took him to Duke this morning for a heart attack. Cecil Compton. Cecil Compton, Brenda Compton's husband. Okay. Uh, Carolyn Fox. Okay, we'll pray for her too. Um, so let's pray, Lord, as we. Uh, as we end our service, Father, we, we lift up those in our, our family who are injured, Lord, suffering, Lord, with diseases. Father, we pray for the treatments, for the medical care, for the, uh, the health, Lord, of their spirit, soul, and body. And Lord, as we close our service, Father, we're, um, we're thankful that in uh, the last few years of our church, Lord, you have been leading, you've been guiding and, uh, Lord, I thank you for the people that have, um, have invested in the body, in the hard times, Lord, in the struggles. Father, the truth that you're teaching uh, our brothers and sisters here in this place. Lord, we ask for uh, just a vision of, uh, of how to follow our new pastor, Lord, how to serve you and love you as a body, and how to love each other and be obedient to your command, Lord. Um, Lord, bless our church this week. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Um, and the announcements, hold on just a second. Um, next Sunday is, uh, well, Wednesday night, uh, our Heritage Week continues with uh, 7 o'clock in here at the, um, the Wednesday night service. And afterward, there'll be the ice cream social in the fellowship hall. So if you sign up to bring ice cream, take that to the, the kitchen uh, on Wednesday night. Friday night is the, um, the gospel sing here at church. And, of course, next Sunday, there's not going to be an 830 worship service. It will just be the 11 o'clock worship service after Sunday school. And if you need, uh, if the parking lot is full, we're going to have a shuttle going back and forth to Country Club Convenience. That will start at 9.30 in the morning to shuttle for parking, for overflow parking, and that will go on after uh, the lunch, the covered dish uh, lunch. So next Sunday is going to be very different, but we're excited about that. Um, the other announcement is that in the fellowship hall, there are barbecue plates that the church has given away from yesterday, and there's pork barbecue by the pound in the kitchen to be sold for $5 if you want any of that. And you're dismissed. Thank you. Oh, yeah, you got to hear it and get back with